Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you. That was beautiful. I love that song. Oh, God, that really is my prayer, all of our prayer. Ancient words, got that. Ever true, we believe it. Changing me, please. And changing all these yous that are here. In the name of Jesus, amen. Mission Impossible, maybe. Where did that maybe come from? Born for Battle, the saga of a peace-loving people. Here's the question. What is it that makes this mission so impossible? Well, let me try it. The answer to that is Washington Post, 10 days ago. I read, the medevac helicopter carrying a pilot, the patient, two companions, and a nurse was flying to a hospital in Brooks Point in Palawan, an island off the coast of the Philippines, when all contact with the aircraft was lost. You may have heard of this. Subsequent discovery of wreckage from the helicopter on the surface of the sea has led authorities to believe all five occupants perished in the crash. The search and recovery mission continues. One early morning this week, Karen and I got a text from our friend Ann Hamill. Ann is a practicing psychologist who serves the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists as a counselor, as a mentor, as a companion to Seventh-day Adventist missionaries in every corner of this planet. She said, pray, and we have been. Aboard that medevac chopper was a young Seventh-day Adventist nurse who has been serving the peoples of her island. She's learned their language. It's not Tagalog. It's a unique language to those peoples. Janelle Alder is an Adventist Frontier Missions missionary. The pilot, young pilot, American as well, from California, Seventh-day Adventist, missing. So Anne flew over there. Why? Because their missionaries there are grieving. What's our next step now? Somehow speak to their, their broken hearts. Janelle's parents have flown there, hoping against hope. I want to play a video clip, as it turns out. AFM, Adventist Frontier Missions, did an interview, a video interview with Janelle on the island. I'm going to play just the first 60 seconds of the interview. You can go to the AFM website, and you can watch it in its entirety. Let's, let's roll this piece. Here at the clinic, we see a lot of different health disorders or health needs. Because it's a tropical environment, we see a lot of fungal infections. Of course, we see a lot of respiratory infections. 
urine infections, cuts and wounds. Really, we see almost everything. There are a lot of more far out villages that a lot of times parents will bring their kids like three, four hours away sometimes to receive help. And when they have a fever in the middle of the night, it's not very easy to send them out to the hospital, which is another two hour hike. So it's helpful that we can be a center here for Kamantian, but also for all of the other villages that are more far out. They can come to us for help and then we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. God bless that young nurse and young pilot who were faithful to death. Faithful unto death. I repeat, do you know what the impossible means when we say impossible mission? Mission impossible. As Janelle Alder's tragic death reminds us, ours is a mission to all the world. Doesn't matter how difficult the terrain, doesn't matter how, how dangerous the topography, how difficult mastering the language might be. When Jesus said, go into all the world, that was not an option. You already know that. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and he is, or you wouldn't be here, it's the command you and I live with day and night into all the world. Whatever the cost, go for me. And she did. So here we are in this congregation on the campus of a university, on this piece of terra firma, a university raised up once upon a time with the name Emmanuel Missionary College. Missionary. It's always been our mission. And guess what? Nothing's changed. And that's what's so impossible about this mission that you and I have inherited. But hallelujah, I got some great news for you. I'm going to give you a sneak preview. I want you to take a peek at how this story ends. And it is absolutely spectacular. Open your Bible, please, to the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 18. The last book of the Bible, chapter 18 of Revelation. I'm in the New International Version. You got your Bible? Let's use it. Revelation chapter 18. Only one line that we'll be brooding on together today. Revelation 18.1. Here it goes. And after this, I saw another angel. There are three angels that I know fairly well in this book. I think of this as the fourth angel. And after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. My, oh, my, oh, my. Do you understand the story that is embedded in that single line? Let me run it by you one more time. And after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Now, the Greek word for splendor is glory. It means glory. It's the first half of doxology, doxa. That's the word. What's doxology? A word of glory to God. So here comes this angel descending from heaven, whatever he's up to upon his arrival. What we know is the moment he arrives, it's just this, 
just this nuclear white. You remember those black, come on, you've seen them, the black and white newsreel clips out of Los Alamos, New Mexico, where they were experimenting with the atomic bomb, and it just went white, you remember, and then went black. That's what happens. This angel's descending. Well, we can understand the light part. Obviously, he's come from the kingdom of light, from the very throne and the whole planet bathed in light. I got to tell you, there's no light in the angel. The angel has no light. Because the angel's like you, the angel's like me. Any light we get is reflected. And I'm, I'm, I'm also going to tell you, this has been one wonderful week to be running early in the morning. Because the moon has been full. There's a special name for the March full moon. I don't remember what it was. But I'm telling you, it was absolutely spectacular. That white orb just smiling down in the dark. You know what? You can go to the moon, look inside. There's not a drop of, there's not a ray of light. There's, there's nothing inside of it. It's just a piece of rock. Why is it so white and beautiful? Because the sun shines on it. This angel comes down. Why is all that light? Because the sun, S-O-N, shines on the angel. My, oh my. We shouldn't be surprised that the author of uh, Revelation also wrote the fourth gospel. And he opens the gospel this way. Everybody knows these words. Come on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Keep reading. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought what? Brought light to everyone. Keep reading. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, hallelujah, it has not overcome it. An angel will descend to this planet one day sooner than we think, and when he enters our atmosphere, poosh. White light. Wow. My, I told you this thing ends with spectacular glory. Phew. All of which, of course, is the point we're making. Revelation 18.1 is none other than that explosion of glory just before Jesus returns. And even if it's only for a singular moment, I get it. Not everybody's going to embrace that light and receive the healing that it offers. No, I understand that. But in the words of Camelot, for one brief shining moment, the light will pierce the darkness and the earth, the entire earth, will be illuminated with His glory. Mm. But you think about it. I mean, come on. Why are we so surprised? Can you imagine Jesus issuing the command as he has to you and me, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? Why in the world would he issue the command if, in fact, that command could not be completely fulfilled? Come on. The whole world. By the way, it's not like God hasn't been sending us hints from the very fall of the human race. Take the first missionary, since we're talking about missionaries, take the first missionary, Abraham. Great uh, children's story, Tiago. Well done. Let's talk about Abraham. 
What does God say to the first missionary? I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth. How many peoples on earth? All peoples, Palawan included, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Global domination in the end. That's our scripture reading. We just read it a moment ago, Isaiah 60. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Mercy. How pervasive is this? Ooh, the minor prophet Habakkuk doesn't leave us guessing. Come on, Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Come on, Old Testament's not going to end with one more reminder. There will be a spectacular finale. Janelle Alder did not die in vain. Last line in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, my name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. Those are my two homelands. It rises every day in Japan and sets every day in America. Look at that. And every nation in between. God continues, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. And look how Jesus, when the Lord of hosts becomes flesh, look how Jesus concurs with the Old Testament witness. He has standing in front of him right now a pagan Roman warrior. And the centurion says to him, I understand authority. I'm a man under authority. I say to one servant, he goes, another, come. So I'm asking you, just speak the word. My servant is dying at home. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus, his eyes widen and he turns to all the Jews standing around him. And he says to them, I have never in Israel seen such faith as this pagan warrior. And then he speaks these words, acknowledging what he's been saying all through the Old Testament. I say to you that many will come from the sunrise, from the east and the west and the sunset, and they will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Man, oh, man. You know how expansive this mission is? Look at Paul, a follower with a sunlight that blinded him, Paul, Paul, a follower of the Lord Jesus. Notice how Paul describes the extensive of his mission. Colossians 1.23, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Are you serious, Paul? Yep. Every creature under heaven. Now, look, there's probably a little bit of hyperbole here. But Paul is looking into the future, and he's prophesying, predicting that one day every creature under heaven will hear that gospel of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And when that day comes and King Jesus is, cor- is crowned before the universe, what will happen then, Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, don't ever forget that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My, oh, my, oh, my, hallelujah is right. What did we just read? After this, I saw another angel coming down 
from heaven, and he had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Janelle Alder gave her life to fulfill Jesus' mission and hasten his coming. Mission impossible never, never. I love this line from Hudson Taylor, that intrepid missionary to China a century and a half ago. Oh, this line is a keeper. I'll leave it up so you can get it. Yep. I'm going to reverse it here because this thing jumped. Come on, guys. Hey, guys, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah, you guys just don't, don't turn the television off. We're fine. We got to change this because I'm missing a slide here. So, guys, I am going to ask you now to put me back to Hudson Taylor, please. Hudson Taylor. Okay, there we go. Thank you very much. All right, now I got your attention. (laughs) Hudson Taylor, intrepid missionary, a century and a half ago to China. I love this. There are three stages of every work of God. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. Then it's done. Isn't that good? Come on. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. Then it's done. Of course it's impossible. What did you think it was going to be? Namby-pamby? When God writes the last chapter of his story on this planet? That's why what I'm about to share with you is such a moving line for me, and I've memorized it. Servants of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place proclaiming the message from heaven. Oh, I love that. Hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. I'll put that on the screen for you. Come on. This is a great controversy. Page 612, servants of God. By the way, notice it does not read clergy of God. I have a clergy friend who's visiting here from another denomination. We've been friends for 10 years. He said, Rod, I got to get there before you leave. And he's here today. You're sitting by him. All right? Servants of God. It doesn't say clergy of God. Servants of God. That's you and me. If if Jesus is our master, we are his servants. Servants of God, where their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration, will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven. I want to be one of those servants, don't you? Oh, I do. I want to be one of those servants. Come on. You know what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on, what this is about. This is the final revival and reformation that will sweep through the church and push the church into the world one last time. That's what's going on here. How do you know that, Dwight? Because of the powerhouse sentence that precedes this. Let me share it with you. The angel who unites in the proclamation of the third angel's message, that would be Revelation 18.1. We've just read it. This angel is to lighten the whole earth with his glory. We got it. We've read that twice now. A work of worldwide extent and unwanted. That, I've ne- that word... I I had to look it up myself. Unwanted means unusual, uncommon. A work of worldwide extent and unusual, uncommon power is here foretold. My, oh, my, oh, my. Something's coming down this pike, and there will be an explosion of glory on this planet one day. 
Talking about global domination for Christ. Keep reading. The great work of the gospel is not to close with less manifestation of the power of God than marked its opening. That would be talking about Pentecost, the story of Acts. Man, that's pretty powerful. In my humble opinion, it won't be any less powerful at the end. That's in the beginning of Christianity. This will be at the end. Nope. Keep reading. The prophecies which were fulfilled in the outpouring of the former rain at the opening of the gospel... Pentecost, I got to tell you, the, the writers of the New Testament and Old Testament live in a, a basically agrarian society, farming, farming, farming. And every farmer in Palestine and every reader in Palestine knows that as soon as you plant the seed, you're going to need some rain. It's called the, the, the autumn rains. They, they refer to them as the early rains. The rain has to help the seed germinate and sprout up and grow and green, green, green. Then at the end, just before the harvest, there is a second rainfall. This is the early rain at the planting of the seed. The second rain, rainfall is the later rain, or we call it the latter rain, the Bible does. And there's a final burst of growth in that grain until whew, the end. It's harvested. They need that last rainfall. So the Bible has embraced that metaphor. The prophecies which were fulfilled in the outpouring of the former rain at the opening of the gospel, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, are again to be fulfilled in the latter rain at its close before Jesus' return. For several Sabbaths now, come on, you know, you and I have been talking about revival and reformation. Yes, we have. We've been talking very carefully one to another. And we have agreed, I know we have, that revival in and of itself is insufficient. We have noted that the whole divine purpose of a revival is to always push us toward reformation. What's reformation? It's the reforming and the changing and the growing of my heart and my life. There needs to be a reformation. It's for the, 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 the growing and reforming of our collective heart. And whenever that revival falls upon a faith community, the Holy Spirit immediately is pushing the church. Come on, get out, get out, get out, get out. This is not about sitting in, sitting in a circle, humming kumbaya and holding hands. No, out. The whole purpose is to push us out. In fact, there's a prayer that I like to pray, and I'll share it with you here. There's no, no spectacular prayer, but... It goes like this, oh God, help me, help us, help you save the world for Christ. That's it. It's a very simple prayer. Help us, help you save the world for Christ. We can't, we can't save a single human being. So help us, help you save the world. That's what Janelle Alder was doing. Help me, help you save Palawan. For Christ. Wow. It's the very prayer the disciples were praying in the upper room. We started this whole winter series together in that upper room in Acts 4. I want to go back to that prayer because it's such a powerful prayer. Here it is. Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. We're going to kill you, Peter and John. If you ever say another word in this man's name, we're going to kill you. You understand that? Read our lips. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable us to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand, not our hand, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
In fact, just read, just read the next line past servants of God with their faces lighted up. I'll read it again. Servants of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven. Now, hold on, because here it comes. By thousands of voices. This is not thousands of clergy voices. This is thousands of disciples of Christ's voices. By thousands of voices all over the earth, the warning will be given. Now, notice what happens. Miracles will be wrought. As it happened here, it will happen here just before Jesus returns. Miracles will be wrought, number one. Two, the sick will be healed. And three, signs and wonders will follow the believers. It is absolutely appropriate for you and me to ask God to stretch forth his hand to heal for his glory. Never for my glory. Never because this will draw attention to me. No, 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 no. For you, God. Heal. Stretch forth your hand. It's going to happen. Signs and wonders will follow. Will follow the believers. Oh, and there'll be somebody there. Just you. You can be sure it is. Whenever God does something big, copycat, demon, king, Satan himself tries to counterfeit it. He'll, he'll imitate it. He'll fake it. So I'm not surprised with this last sentence. Satan also works with lying wonders, even bringing down fire from heaven in the sight of men and women, faking like he's Elijah. It's a quote from Revelation 13, 13. Thus, final sentence, the inhabitants of the earth will be brought to take their stand. Glory to the whole planet. And every man, woman, and child makes a decision now. Now. This is the only one you've got. It's now. The entire human race. Oh, I believe that in the great Revelation 18.1 revival and reformation to come that will sweep this planet, I believe, number one, that the same boldness of those disciples long ago that empowered their witness for Christ will be granted to all who pray that same prayer, grant your servants boldness. Number one, I believe that. Number two, I believe that the same signs and wonders that, the, that those first disciples prayed for will be repeated one day. The same signs and wonders. Not the signs and wonders of any disciple. It's the signs and wonders of the God of the universe who shows up to affirm and confirm what she says is truth. This can't be done. It can't be imitated. Oh. I believe, number three, that the same motivation of the first disciples to seek the outpouring of heaven for the sake of seeking and saving the lost. And by the way, that's what drove, drove our Lord Jesus all the way through his life. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, Luke 19.10. That which drove him will drive the servants, the friends, the disciples, you and me, down here, down here at the end. But I'm going to add a fourth one, and I really believe this one, too. I believe that as it was in the beginning, when heaven's shock troops, you know what shock troops are? It's a military term. It's the, it's the, it's the soldiers they put in the very front. They're the advance guard. The rest of the army's following behind. The shock troops. I believe that even as heaven chose for its shock troops in the book of Acts, 
a band dominantly comprised of the young. John Boy, young Stephen, young Saul, the young apostles. I believe even so at the end. Oh, uh, by the way, even as it was in this movement for whom this church is, is called Pioneer Memorial Church, they were dominantly young, all of them. I believe even in the end, for the shock troops' final spiritual assault on this planet, they'll be the young again. They will be the young again. Did you notice how old Janelle was? The helicopter pilot, you didn't see him, not much older. I believe that these young warriors God is raising up, you who are young and are willing to be a warrior for him, you are the shock troops. I've stayed here all these years. You know why? Because I believe what I just said. If I did not believe what I just said, I would not have stayed this long. And plenty of chances to work somewhere else. But I've stayed on this campus and in this congregation because I'm putting everything in this generation, the young, poised for God's strategic endgame. I believe with all my heart. Yeah. And I receive your amen that you share that same conviction. You may have heard these words before. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is the mission of this congregation right here. It's the mission of this university right here. Oh, my. You're about to have a new beginning when your new pastor arrives, and they're getting close. You're about to have a new beginning when your new president drives up. And I hope you give to these two new leaders all your, all your cooperation, your support, your prayers, your volunteering. Can I do anything? What can I do to help? What can I do to help around here? And that leader will rise up and call you blessed. One thing is sure, unless this congregation continues to embrace, and even in a more fervent and passionate way, its mission to train and mobilize the young at Ruth Murdoch, at Andrews Academy, at Andrews University, this Revelation 18.1. will not yet happen. It will take the mobilization of this generation. There isn't a heart here that doesn't want Jesus to come soon. I said, put your hands up if you want Jesus to come soon. Every hand will go up. Come on, I know. This is an Adventist congregation after all. I'm just saying. Don't you ever let this church veer from its mission to train young warriors to seek and save the lost for Christ. Whatever the future brings, don't swerve. Don't veer from that mission 
for the university and for the congregation. And I really believe Revelation 18.1 declares the best is yet to come. I believe that with all my heart. The best is yet to come. Come on. Hudson Taylor, what did he say about impossible? I'm going to put Taylor on. But first, I want to put these words somewhere in the book called Education, which I guess applies to us. With such an army of workers as our youth rightly trained might furnish, how soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior might be carried to the whole world. How soon might the end come, the end of suffering and sorrow and sin. It'll happen. I promise you. It will happen. Now, Taylor, tell us one more time. There are three stages of every work of God. First, it's impossible. Then, it's difficult. And then, hallelujah, it's done. You never quit. Never give up. Because then, it's done. Oh, God, I thank you for this people. It's been a long winter. Some of us are heading out the door in a few hours to a place called Cuba. What was that prayer? Help us help you save the world for Christ. Father, bless these 20, 30 seminarians and the pastors who are going from Pioneer. And may we come back rejoicing. Of the testimony of your goodness and your grace. May Cuba never be the same. We humbly pray. And oh God, bless this congregation and this campus awaiting new leaders to come. Anoint those leaders. Prepare them. And may we be a people that will surround them and offer them all that we can give for this shared mission that we embrace. And Janelle Alder, we entrust her to you. Daniel Liu, the chopper pilot, we entrust him to you. But one day, they will see that their lives were never in vain. The best has come last. And keep all of us on that trajectory until Jesus comes, we pray in his name. Amen.